Hello beautiful, welcome to Aim and Wellness Talks where our aim is to give you the tools to a happier and healthier life. I'm Christina and I'll be your host. We're sitting down with some amazing guests and leaders in wellness to talk all things body, mind, and soul. They share their best tips, life hacks, and inspirational stories so that you too can become your best self. So wherever you are in your day, we hope you take a moment to thank yourself for tuning in. Now enjoy this dose of daily wellness. Welcome back to Aim and Wellness Talks. I am so excited to be welcoming the lovely Rosalind Kent, registered holistic nutritionist and gut health expert. After suffering from IBS and painful digestive symptoms for over 10 years, Roz finally decided to take her health into her own hands and went on to study holistic nutrition. She learned to overcome her diagnosis through evidence-based, plant-based nutrition strategies and has now gone on to empower other women to do the same. Today, Roz is here to help demystify the hot topic of gut health and teach us how we can best take care of our own. Rosalind, thank you so much for jumping on with us today and for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you today. I am so excited to be learning as well. Personally, I've actually been feeling like I've missed the memo or something. It seems like gut health is a trending topic lately. It's all over social media. Everywhere you look on Instagram, people are saying, take care of your gut health. It's the powerhouse of everything. It's the most important part of your health, so on and so on. And yeah, I'm starting to feel like I need to get on top of this. So for others who may be feeling like me, can we please just start off with the very basics? What is our gut and what do we mean by gut health? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's a good place to start because like you said, it's a very hot topic. And I think it can become almost diluted because a lot of people assume that others know what gut health is just because it is a buzzword. So when we're talking about our gut, we're talking about our large intestine for the most part, as well as our small intestine. But for the most part, we're talking about our colon because that's where our gut microbes live. So when I say the word microbiome, I am talking about a collection of over 38 trillion bacteria, microbes, um, and other microorganisms that live in and on our body, but most of them reside in our gut, in our colon. Those microbes are what directly translate to positive or negative gut health outcomes, depending on the populations of bacteria that you have living there. So for some people, they'll have, you know, a a large number and a high diversity of really great bacteria that do a number of different positive functions for us. Mm -hmm. But on the other side, of course, you can have something called dysbiosis, where you're having negative changes in gut bacteria, where you have an overgrowth of pathogenic bacteria, bacteria that are specifically um, associated with negative health outcomes. So it's actually interesting because when most people say that they have an upset gut, they're actually just going to say, oh, my stomach's upset. But your stomach is a totally different part of your eliminatory like organs. It's like it's its own organ up higher, right? So we need to remember that we're talking about something completely different. You're actually talking about your gut most of the time when you're getting um, any sensations that are making you feel unpleasant, like bloating, gas, and and any other um, cramping or abdominal pain or things like that. So the microbiome is what we're talking about when we talk about gut health. That number I listed earlier, 38 trillion, that's, of course, like lots of bacteria are going to be elsewhere in your body. So you have 
bacteria living, of course, in your armpits, in your mouth, you have an oral microbiome. Ladies, we have a vaginal microbiome. And that 38 trillion, that number is like, if you could weigh that, it would be roughly the same weight as your head. And it's a thousand times the amount of stars that are in the Milky Way, that 38 trillion. So it's hard to even imagine that number. We have so many bacteria in and on our body. Most of those are in the gut, which makes it really interesting. And so they play a bunch of different roles. Um, and, and of course, we can go into that now or later, but it's, it's, it's a very fascinating topic because it's not just digestion that these bacteria are impacting. I love how enthusiastic you are about bacteria. <laughs> and thank you so much for giving the like analogies as well, like that really put it into perspective. It's just really mind blowing that something so small can have such a large impact. And actually earlier you did say negative and positive outcomes. How does the state of your gut health impact your overall health and how does it actually manifest in other areas of our lives? Yeah, we'll start with the digestion side of things and then we can talk about other areas because like I said, there's so many other areas of health that these bacteria and the microbiome impact. So these bacteria produce 70,000 different enzymes to help us break down fiber and carbohydrate rich foods. So all plant foods in their natural form have fiber, which is great. We love that. Uh, but you need these bacteria to break those foods down. If you didn't have these bacteria, it would be it would be a gong show. It would be bad. Um, so we rely, excuse me, on these bacteria to break down those foods and produce the enzymes to do so. And so that's like the main function that they perform. There's a lot of fiber degrading bacteria in our gut. But in addition to that, there's also bacteria that play other roles. So in terms of our, our hormone health relating to our gut health, there's a certain grouping of bacteria in our microbiome called the astrobilome, which helps to process excess estrogen. So they kind of control the floodgates of estrogen. They're kind of balancing that estrogen so we don't end up in an estrogen dominant state. PMS symptoms are kind of the norm when we're talking about estrogen dominance. Normally those hormones are, should be excreted via the stool, but if things are kind of backed up because we're constipated, for example, that plays a huge role. And I see a lot of PMS symptoms, AKA estrogen dominance uh, go hand in hand with uh, dysbiosis and gut health imbalances in terms of um, constipation. So that's one area that's really important, especially for women. And then also, of course, uh, 70% of your immune cells are inside of your gut. So they are communicating at all times with your gut microbes to optimize your immune system. So if you're someone who has a really poor immune system, you're probably looking at poor gut health outcomes overall. So that's something to consider. In addition to that, roughly 90 to 95% of our serotonin, which is neurotransmitter that is responsible for feelings of, you know, good mood and happiness and things like that, um, important in prevention of depression and anxiety, serotonin is primarily produced in the gut. And that's a, that's a really cool connection because we have seen, you know, recently an increase in depression, like depression is on the rise. And so we need to also be looking at our gut health in that instance. There's so much more that they do, but those are the, those are the most important roles that we can kind of come back to. Wow. And that's so much. What are some of the first signs or what are some signs? There might be some dysbiosis going on. There might be something going on with their gut that we should look at. Yeah. So usually it's digestive symptoms and intestinal symptoms that pop up first. So of course, things like IBS are on the rise of irritable bowel syndrome, which a lot of women get diagnosed with. And it's not actually a diagnosis. It's actually a syndrome of exclusion, meaning you don't have inflammatory bowel disease. You don't have colon cancer. You just have, you know, a myriad of symptoms that we can't really pinpoint. Usually those are the symptoms that start popping up first. So whether it's constipation or loose stools, just irregularities in, in bowel movements and fatigue. So just feeling 
often really tired and lethargic. And of course, gas and bloating are kind of the main symptoms. Uh, poor immune system will also kind of fall under that category. So if you're someone who often gets really, really sick, or when you do get sick, you get way more sick than everyone else. Um, yeah, for, for anyone who feels like they have a compromised immune system, that's often what pops up when they have poor gut health. Uh, inability to just break down food. So you're getting a lot of unpleasant symptoms in response to eating foods. So directly after eating, you feel like you're you have all these food sensitivities and everything feels like it's not digesting well and you feel like you have cramping and abdominal pain. And so those are kind of the main ones. But of course, also some of the other stuff we talked about, like you may have PMS symptoms start to pop up or maybe you had PMS symptoms your whole life or since getting your first period and you never really thought much of it. But you could also have some level of dysbiosis going on that would kind of go back to that. This is something that I talk to a lot of women about. They're like, oh, I just always thought that my period is supposed to be like this. Or, or even women who are constipated their whole life, they're like, oh, I thought that that was normal to have a bowel movement every three or four days. My doctor told me it was normal, unfortunately, is the case. And that's what I hear a lot too. And so, yeah, it's typically those digestive symptoms in addition to things like fatigue, food sensitivities, um, hormonal imbalances, and um, sleep issues as well. Right. And so you went into IBS and I know that a big part of your journey and a massive part of the reason that you've now made this your line of work to help other women who are struggling with the same thing is that you actually were diagnosed with IBS. Are you happy to share a bit about your journey that actually got you here in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. So my symptoms started at a very young age. Like I was that kid that always complained of having an upset stomach, so to speak. And I use quotations because of what we just talked about. I didn't know it was my gut. Um, but I grew up eating a very well-rounded diet. It was a pretty standard diet, meaning I wasn't limiting or restricting anything. And my mom wanted me to have a healthy relationship with food. So a lot of the foods I was eating were not agreeing with me, but I don't think I was able to pinpoint it at that time. And so like fast forward to high school, dealing with a lot of stress. I'm a big worrier. I'm someone who gets a lot of anxiety or I've always struggled with anxiety and just worrying and overthinking things. That's just kind of who I am. Um, so that really played a role in my gut health. And so I think that chronic stress really changed the profile of my gut for the worse. And so I went from having like episodes of not agreeing with certain foods to chronically being in pain and discomfort in high school. And then when I went to university, I ended up on a full ride scholarship, which was really stressful for me. It was amazing because I, I you know, I was, I was getting my way paid through university, but I was under so much stress to keep that up and not kind of fail at that. I had the most symptoms that I'd ever had in my entire life. So there were so many nights where I literally couldn't move. I was in so much pain, calling my mom, crying, couldn't eat anything. I was restricting so many different foods. I couldn't socialize with my friends properly. And so I jumped through all the hoops that I see a lot of women jumping through today where they are seeing so many different practitioners, but none of those practitioners are usually able to or typically able to explain what the microbiome is. They don't even maybe mention the word explaining that their symptoms have a lot to do with what they're eating on a daily basis. And they're just not getting the help that they need or the practical steps they need to repair their gut, you know, in terms of the microbiome and, you know, the, the different dietary and lifestyle strategies that impact that. That was my experience too. I saw many different practitioners, including gastroenterologists who are supposed to be experts in that area. And they have so much skill and expertise, but there's a gap missing between what they're able to offer from a dietary and lifestyle perspective, which is the most important mm. stuff to be leveraging. I ended up enrolling in school later after I'd had enough, but I also ended up going more plant-based in fourth year university, which started to change my gut for the better. I mean, over the last 10 years, I'd say I've really seen uh, my gut health evolve. And the last like five or so years has been the best I've ever been. And I don't really get symptoms anymore, uh, which is amazing. So unless I'm 
eating something really weird or, uh, you know, I get food poisoning or what have you, like the day to day, my bowel movements are great. I have energy. I don't get any food sensitivities or reactions. I have a really diverse diet and I'm so thankful to be here. And that's exactly what I try and teach my clients how to overcome in a much faster and more effective way. <laughs> mm, incredible. And I think that's a hugely common thing as well is not feeling heard and seen when you go see a practitioner. They're just being that massive gap of empowering education that's missing, like helping people to understand yeah. what's actually going on in their bodies and the day-to-day -day, like small changes that they can make to to really make a difference. So we can go into actually some of those as well. Like I personally am seeing this from a different perspective of I've been really fortunate. Like I've never really had any intense uh, digestive symptoms or pain after eating. Like I kind of eat whatever I want and everything's all right. But I question because, you know, if I want to be taking care of my gut health, like I'm sure there's still something I should be doing to make sure that it's functioning optimally. But could we talk about a few strategies or um, key things that people can do straight away to take control over their gut health, um, whether they have strong digestive symptoms or not? Yeah. So on the dietary side of things, that's probably the first thing that I recommend looking at because it's pretty easy stuff to implement versus looking at the chronic stress and the sleep and the lifestyle habits, which mm -hmm. we can also talk about in a second. But fiber is the most important thing in my books uh, from a dietary perspective, not only that, but plant diversity. So when I say fiber, I'm talking about any plant food. So increasing the amount of plant foods that you're eating. If you're someone who eats a pretty animal product heavy diet, it's not to say you need to take out those foods completely, but I do recommend starting to increase the amount of plant foods you're eating. So I usually recommend eating beans and legumes like once a day, ideally, as well as whole grains, having those at a couple of different meals a day. So whether you're doing oatmeal for breakfast or you're doing like a wild rice for dinner, or maybe you're doing quinoa with your lunch, whole grains are really rich in soluble fiber, which is the fiber that's going to be fermented by your good gut microbes, your fiber degrading gut microbes. And we want more of those in our gut. What you feed will flourish. So tofu, lentils, any kinds of beans, those types of things, like increasing those. A lot of people struggle to digest them, but we have to remember if you get symptoms from those foods, it's because you're dealing with something called sloppy processing. Your gut is not maybe in good enough shape to be able to break those down effectively. So be patient with it. Start with small amounts and work your way up. Um, also soaking and cooking from scratch versus canned can be really helpful if you're struggling to digest those foods. So it's a little bit more work, but I recommend like making a bigger batch. And then once you've prepared them by soaking and cooking, you can actually freeze them into individual portion sizes and pull them out of the freezer as needed. And then increasing your plant diversity. So when I say that, I mean, try new varieties of foods. If you go to the grocery store and you see a, you know, a new vegetable that you've never tried before, you see a new fruit that you've never tried before, a new variety of something that you haven't tried before, definitely give that a go. If you're going to a farmer's market, I recommend shopping at farmer's markets in the summer every once in a while, because they're going to have plant varieties that you've never seen or heard of mm -hmm. or tried before, because everything's local and seasonal. So try some of those new things. And then again, if you're always eating something like brown rice, okay, well, what about wild rice or black rice? Or if you're someone who always eats quinoa, what about millet? It's very similar. Or something like farro, which is a really good grain to put on salads. Try new varieties because the single greatest predictor of a healthy microbiome is the diversity of the plants you're eating, even beyond fiber. When I talk about fiber and increasing plant foods and plant foods that have fiber, um, I'm talking about aiming towards like that 40, 50 grams a day. So our ancestors used to eat 100 grams of fiber a day, no problem. The average American woman 
right now our North American woman eats around 14, 15 grams of fiber a day, which is not even enough to prevent chronic disease like cardiovascular disease or type 2 diabetes. So we want to be increasing the number, but we also want to be increasing the diversity. In terms of practical steps, I would recommend starting with a smoothie for breakfast. Um, that's a really easy thing to do and just, you know, increase those, uh, the fruits that you're having. So you can have some berries in there, some a frozen banana. You can put some ground flax seeds. I love those because they're really rich in soluble fiber or even chia seeds. Both are rich in soluble fiber. Put a tablespoon of those. You can put a tablespoon of nut butter and a big handful of greens and a non-dairy milk I recommend. Those are some practical steps uh, from the dietary side of things. Sleep, really make sure you're optimizing your sleep. Most women are not getting enough. Women need eight to 10 hours a night. Male hormones can operate on like way less sleep, but our hormones are way more sensitive to changes in sleep patterns. Make sure you're getting at least eight hours. Take something like herbal to help you sleep. I take an herbal sleep tincture to help me fall asleep. It's created by a certified herbal therapist and it's got really great herbs like skullcap um, and passionflower in it. You can, you can leverage some things like that to help you sleep or an eye mask or earplugs. I've had to use all those things because I'm a really terrible sleeper, but it's helped me get quality sleep. Um, a lot of our guts work is done in the evening, like overnight, sorry. And then also just detoxification happens overnight. And lack of sleep is going to be interpreted as stress in the body. We know stress creates negative changes in gut bacteria, but it also makes our bowel movements a lot more irregular. So try and get that quality sleep. I recommend getting to bed before 11 o'clock if you can to optimize your circadian rhythm so that you can get your sleep-wake cycle in tune with um, like the actual clock and, and make sure your melatonin is being produced at the right times of day. And the last thing I'll say is move your body like 30 minutes a day, even of like just gentle exercise. It doesn't need to be hit mm. workouts. I actually recommend restorative exercise over high intensity exercise for gut health for anyone who's under a lot of stress already. But even 30 minutes a day will get your gut moving because if you're not moving, your gut won't move. And a lot of people struggle with chronic constipation. So I recommend getting outside for a walk because most of us spend 90% of our time inside. That's a lot of time inside. We need the sunlight exposure in our eyeballs. We need that restorative effect, like that therapeutic effect, sorry, of the outdoors. And if you can get in nature, even better. And then I also wanted to mention water. I recommend drinking. Yes. Most people are underhydrated. Please drink your water. I usually drink two to three liters a day. You can definitely overdo water, but most people operate really well on that two or three liters, depending on how active they are. Yeah, wow. Those are kind amazing. of amazing. <laughs> and they're, and they're simple changes. Now, is there anything that you find your clients struggling with to implement as far as change goes? As far as change goes, the biggest thing they struggle with is, is introducing plant foods when their diet is pretty restrictive. And that's mm -hmm. usually because they're limiting foods that are hard to break down. So again, I'm going to reiterate that the highest fiber foods or the, the healthiest foods for our gut microbes are actually the ones that are hardest to digest when you have poor gut health. I see. It's like they're exercising. Exactly. <laughs> your gut is a muscle. Your gut yes. is a muscle. So you have to exercise your gut. You're not going to go to the gym and start lifting 50 pounds for the first time in six months. You're going to go mm. to the gym and you're going to start with five pounds and then 10 pounds and then 20 pounds. Start with small amounts and work your way up. And that's where the, and also the digestibility side of things that I mentioned earlier about soaking and cooking from scratch can really help. Also keep in mind sprouting. Um, any sprouts are really great for gut health, but they're also easy to digest. So if you're trying to bridge that gap of eating a new food that you struggle to digest, for example, chickpeas, you can actually sprout chickpeas. Um, and I won't explain how to do it because it's a little bit of a process, but there's lots of great, you know, YouTube tutorials and things. You can sprout chickpeas and you can eat those instead of cooking them from just like raw because sprouted anything is going to be easier to digest. The actual sprouting mm. process makes the food more digestible and makes the nutrients in that food more bioavailable. 
right. I'd say that's the main thing and probably the chronic stress side of things is that we are a go, 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 go culture where most of us are resistant to slowing down. And I will say that besides the dietary stuff for myself, the most important thing I ever learned and the biggest changes I ever saw in my gut health came when I slowed down and, you know, changed my workouts in terms of reducing the intensity. I slept in more. I went to bed earlier. I rested more versus being so hustle, hustle, hustle. That was mm. probably the biggest change for me. So a lot of my clients do resist that because it means sacrificing some of the things that you've filled your calendar with. It's changing who you know yourself to be. Like a lot of people identify with this busy, busy lifestyle and being able to implement these small moments of peace throughout the day. It's so important. So what are some of the things that you suggest for your clients initially to begin with stress management? Do you have any kind of strategies that you recommend? Yeah. So believe it or not, the first thing I recommend is sleeping more because again, like if you're not sleeping, you're going to be, your body's going to be in fight or flight a lot easier. So sleep is the first thing I recommend they prioritize and setting up a good sleep schedule. The other thing that of course I recommend is breath work. So mm -hmm. breath work is so good for the initiating the parasympathetic nervous system. So that's our rest and digest state. That's where we want to be most of the time. Most of us are in our sympathetic state a lot more than we should be. That's our fight or flight mode that strategic breathing is going to reset the nervous system a little bit more getting outside. Again, I already talked about this, but most of us are spending way too much time indoors. So if you can get outside, I mean, depending on where you live, I'm in Canada, I'm on the West coast though, but if you're living somewhere yeah. in Canada where, uh, for example, where it's cold outside most of the year, you have to do the best you can, but try and get outside for at least 30 minutes a day. I usually go for a daily walk regardless of the other activity I do, if I go to the gym or something like that, I'm also going for just a gentle 15, 20 minute walk or, or trying to just get outside as much as possible. So I think we underestimate the importance of time, like outdoor therapy and time in nature and eating proper meals. I know this doesn't sound like a stress management technique, but it is because if you're skipping meals or delaying meals, your blood sugar is going to crash. Your cortisol is going to raise because of course that's going to increase your blood sugar as well this like cascade of events is going to just, it's going to cause digestive symptoms for you, but it's also a stress response when you're skipping meals. So try and eat meals at pretty scheduled times, or at least listening to your body. Otherwise, when you're hungry and not skipping out on that, if you're on the go, make time to go get lunch or bring lunch with you. If you're on the go, try and bring a snack with you, that kind of thing. So you really got to try and prioritize those meal times. So your body's feeling nourished. So it's not dipping into that stress state. Beautiful. Honestly, Rosalind, thank you so, so much. You are an absolute goldmine of information and so inspirational as well with your own journey and where you are now with your health. I know it gives a lot of hope to others who are struggling with the same. So if anyone was listening and they did actually have some of those strong digestive symptoms, or maybe they've had a journey quite similar to yours and they've gone to multiple practitioners and they might be feeling a little bit lost and frustrated, where can people find you to learn a bit more information about, about the gut and maybe take this journey a little bit further? Yeah, for sure. So um, I have a pretty big Instagram presence and I love Instagram. Mm -hmm. So you can follow me on Instagram at plants first nutrition. I'm also on TikTok with the same handle, but um, I spend a lot of my time on Instagram for sure. I have a free Facebook community. If people want to join that and learn more about the recipes that I share and the tips and tricks around gut health and um, especially around constipation, I really do focus on constipation and slow motility in my practice. 
uh, that Facebook group is a really great place to gather that information. I go on live a couple times a week in that group. So that's the healthy gut solution. And you can also just go to my website for more information on my one-on-one programs. And I have an online course as well, as well as a workshop called Correcting Constipation. So that's all on my website at plantsfirst.ca. Yeah, gorgeous. I'm going to put all of that in the show notes for everybody as well. So it'll be easy to access. Rosalind has a podcast as well. It's called the Plant Powered Gut Show. Thank you. You give loads of information there as well, because this is just the beginning. We've just scratched the surface, but as far as taking care of your gut, there is so many subtopics within that, that you could dive very deeply into. So um, yeah, you can always give that show a follow as well and continue learning from Rosalind. Thanks so much for listening, lovely. We hope you found a spark of inspiration to stay connected to your dreams, to nourish your health, and to continue to invest in a daily dose of wellness. If you've enjoyed today's episode, join us on a journey to well-being with two new episodes a month. For more resources to nourish yourself, visit the Aim and Wellness page on our website. You'll find live workouts, fresh recipes, healthy happenings, and endless wellness inspiration. Don't forget, we are so grateful to have you as part of our Aim and community. Have a beautiful day.